What is up, everyone? Welcome to L2R2, a PlayStation podcast. My name is Fonzie. I'm joined by my co-host, Indie Game Dev, and my UK bruv from another mum, another mum, Cal Monroe. Cal, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm very mom. good. Thank you. <laughs> nice. You experiencing wind over there still? Is it still blistering cold? Do you guys get any snow? Yeah, it's uh, tipping it down at the moment of rain, so it's very loud around me. So hopefully that doesn't go into my microphone. But yeah, <laughs> uh, the the sort of cabin I'm in might sort of start moving soon when it gets swept away by all this rain. But uh, yeah, it's cold and dark and dreary, but nearly there. Yeah, uh, same here in the states. Where all across the yeah. country too, there's like been these crazy snowstorms and weather stuff going on. So it's it's no bueno, but it is what it is. Yeah, we just got like six inches. Yeah, we'll, here. we'll get through. Oh, good. yeah, that's uh, we we've had it where it like attempted to snow, but it was just sort of pathetic little uh, <laughs> yeah. snowflakes for for like that just disappeared in the air. So yeah, we haven't we haven't quite had any snow setting, but that normally around this area normally happens around March. Is normally where we get snow that sets, um, and then it just really like within a couple of weeks, it's really hot and it's spring. It's really strange, but um. Yeah, so I'm hoping that's what will happen this year because it's quite nice to go from snow to sun like a couple of weeks later. It's uh, always good fun. <laughs> yeah, we had that here where it was almost like winter was going to pass us because it was just getting sunny and and mm. relatively warm and then just got dumped with snow. And then we went on that yeah. trip I was telling you about and driving over this uh, mountain pass and it was like as we're driving, you're seeing other semis and other cars just like stuck in the snow. And just like mm. you know, they drifted off. So we're kind of driving through. Like, yeah. should we be doing this? And just like looking at each other. <laughs> yeah. But it worked out. Yeah, you made it, and it's a very badass story to relay to <laughs> the, the younger generations. <laughs> yeah. There was one point. This was years ago. Me and my wife went to this uh, comedy show in Seattle, and uh, it snowed again. Uh, but we had already bought tickets, and it's like, ah, we don't want to miss out on this, so let's just go. And yeah, it was just like like a bomb went off. It was just, everything was covered in snow and cars were just kind of, you know, same situation. We're just like left by the wayside. And, uh, at one point my, our, the tires weren't, didn't have the best traction. So I know we, we basically by luck skipped over this car that was in front of us. Cause it, it had crashed in front of us and we were trying to stop, but we couldn't. So I just basically skid, skidded around them and then skidded around another car and then kind of got back to normal. But I wasn't really in control. Yeah, it just kind of like happened yeah. that way. So it was just yeah. just by the you know seat of our pants we made it. But Jesus probably shouldn't. Yeah, he did. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna help you out this time. You get one, and this yeah. is your one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was an adventure. But Calum, uh, what you been playing? What you been up to? I know we got some Killzone, Shadowfall uh, conversation to have, and I think we're ships passing in the night, having totally opposite uh, you know opinions yeah. on it. But other than that, yeah. did you get up to anything? Yeah, I've been playing um so a few a few games, but they're all about the same thing. So um the Romance of the Three Kingdoms sort of games, so you've got Dynasty Warriors and uh that I think it started because I downloaded a PS2 emulator and um got all the Dynasty Warriors games. I was playing through them and that that sort of I realized how amazing they still are and it just made me want to play Total War Three Kingdoms because it's the same sort of characters and then started playing then Dennis Warriors 9 on my PS5 to see how that ran. Um, and I was also playing a game called Romance of the Three Kingdoms 14, which just coincidentally I was asked to review for Text Domper. So it's just all been Chinese, you know, uh, second century history, uh, aside from Guild's own Shadowfall. That uh, Romance of Three Kings 
fourteen. That's a name that doesn't really like flap the tongue very well. Yeah. But uh, nah, what are you thinking nah. of that? You just you're. Did you finish that, or you're just right now playing it? Uh, yeah. So I played probably about ten, fifteen hours or so, and 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 finished it, and uh, well, I finished one of the sort of scenarios. It's like a big strategy game. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, I mean. It's been it's been going on for like twenty years. This game series, so it's, it's made by Koei I, who make uh, the Dynasty Warriors games as well. Um, but yeah, it's just a strange tactical game, and it's a bit confusing and a bit awkward at times. But it has some like cool stuff to it. But um, yeah, it's it's okay. It's not a game I'd want to spend too much time on. But um, it was easier to play because I had already been playing lots of Three Kingdoms stuff that week, and it was just sort of good timing. Um, so yeah, that that was all right. It's uh, it's an okay game, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. you're a pretty big nerd for this style of gameplay, right? Yeah. Well, I love I love three kit the the three the his romance of the three kingdoms sort of story and uh, love Dynasty Warriors. Um, so sort of I I don't mind playing anything as long as it's got that sort of story and those characters to it. Um, and Total War Three Kingdoms, which I play on. PC is a great uh, sort of strategy, uh, sort of uh, turn-based game as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think I've just been, you know, when you just really feel like you're into that thing at that time. So now I'm just, uh, I've, I've literally played like five different games over the week, all either a Dynasty Warriors game, Total War, Three Kingdoms, or the other one. So um, yeah, it's getting very Chinese in in my in my life right now. Nice. Well, you know, it's. I think we'll all be Chinese here pretty soon, so it's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, nice, Callum. So yeah, I've been playing some games. I really, I've just been investing my time in, in Killzone Shadowfall, and mm. it took me a while to beat that game. So I've been playing that. Uh, we can transition before we hit the news into our PlayStation Book Club conversation. Mm -hmm. Let me just switch gears here to the Book Club. All right, Callum. So this week for the PlayStation Book Club, we got to play Killzone Shadowfall. So we're pretty much completing our run through the Killzone games. Um, I don't know if we'll jump into the, the Vita uh, Mercenaries, but yeah, with Shadowfall. So give me your overview, quick rundown of your thoughts, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Okay, um, so I didn't beat it just because I've had a, a busy week, but I got to, I think, the very end where you get to Helgen um, and you're like falling through the city and all that. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it, I think it's by far... The best Killzone game. Um, I think uh, I think it has you know really really great shooting and um, really cool sort of mechanics. I like the robot, the little drone. I think he's like a really help actually helpful companion, which is like so rare these days. Um, I think it feels great. It looks great. Um, I think it has really good atmosphere as well. Like every single level has a certain vibe to it. Like whether you're going through that um that spaceship at the beginning where it kind of feels like alien like a kind of creepy sci-fi thing it's like an abandoned spaceship and uh when you go over the wall and you're in the sort of um apartments in of of the helgen sort of side of of vector and it's all very glum and sort of very cyberpunky as well which i don't remember that style being there when i first played it um and yeah i think it's just really it just is really nice, a really nice game and plays really well. I think the story sort of when you boil it down is quite simple, but I just think it looks so nice and they sort of have a good way of having their environments like sort of tell the stories, I think. And um, 
and yeah, I, I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, by far the best Killzone game. And it does have some irritating parts, like the bit when you're flying through the Falling City and a few of the other falling bits. But um, but yeah, I, I really, really like it. I think it's a, a great game. Yeah, so yeah, we, we really were ended up opposite on this. So I didn't like the game overall. And I think I was super negative mm-hmm. early on, but it didn't... It didn't necessarily go away for me, but it didn't. It did. It didn't prove um, as I was playing it. But for me, it was the mm. pacing. Um, I was just constantly drained of any fun in between the the gameplay. So the combat was strong for me. I really enjoyed that. But it was times where mm. they're trying to deliver story and kind of uh, remove you from combat and give you put you in these mm-hmm. like first person um, you know narrative situations where you're experiencing the story that way. Say with the beginning when you're the you're, you're the child version of is it Lucas and you're experiencing mm-hmm. that Helgen, you know, switch of of power from, you know, building new Helgen and you have to evacuate the city mm-hmm. or where you're captured and you're interrogated. There's points where it was just a bit too slow for me and I I wanted to get back mm-hmm. into the action. That's where I was having more fun, which I don't necessarily yeah. mind when they do that, but it just wasn't the payoff that I think they wanted to have at least that's how i you know interpreted i wasn't uh having a blast getting through that but overall you know i did the the gameplay was a strong suit for me um i did really welcome that although it took a little while for me to like get used to using it that the little uh drone that you have that was really cool having that ability to you know shock uh, enemies and create that barrier or zip line that was really dope. Mm. The set pieces are uh, fantastic. I loved the, although I died over and over again, I loved the having you fly into Helgen as it's all destroyed mm. and stuff, stuff falling around you. Yeah. Or when that bomb uh, goes off when you're on Vecta, that was really dope. There's mm. a lot of these really cool set pieces. Um, there's also, I, I thought the gunplay was just super tight. I think it's never felt you know better in this entire yeah. series. Like yeah. this is where it feels the strongest. Mm. Um, but it was just uh, narrative stuff that also bothered me. The story I thought was 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 pretty bad. I did not like the story. Mm-hmm. I thought the way it was delivered was wonky. But yeah. uh, we'll get into the details. But I just didn't understand how they handled the transition of like bringing Helgens to Vecta and creating new Helgen, and how they just kind of let yeah. Helgens murder people in the streets. Like there was no like transition to let people out. It was very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Why did they plant them right next to the city too? Is there no other place on this planet where they can go? That was strange to me. Uh, and then the eventual, like, you know, you losing that connection with that father figure you have. I, I felt like that was kind of telegraphed a mile away. Um, mm-hmm. So I just had, you know, issues with how they delivered the story. We'll get to the ending. I think they pulled the plug again on how they just end the game. But um, mm-hmm. let's get into some of the details here with the, uh, uh, at least for the, we'll start with the visual. So I think this game is still has super long legs. It is uh, gorgeous mm. on PS4, and I think it's a very strong launch game. But how did you feel about the visuals? Yeah, I think it looked uh, amazing. I think it was so smooth. I mean, I played it on PS5, so I don't know whether that that helps in any way. But it was, you know, solid, solid, smooth, you know, battery experience, and the guns feel amazing. I think some it has some of the best gunplay. I think of the entire last generation. I mean, the way the guns feel and they sort of act and um, it's very fair as well, um, sort of in, in in how just the whole game plays out, I found. But yeah, I think it looks largely, again, the, the big thing for me was the environments and the atmosphere that they gave off. Like, again, like when you're um, entering that ship that's sort of been abandoned and it's all very dark and... It reminds me of like the expanse of like you know these dark sci-fi kind of movies and 
Um, and then you've got the more bright sort of like the train sequence where it's a bit more fast paced. And um, I think I know what you mean with, with the with the slow pace, but I think the variety of the fast pace and the slow pace sort of throughout it um, helps sort of visually as well because you have all these different like vibes and atmospheres sort of going on all the time. And yeah, I think that's testament to how they nailed the sort of style and the the sort of graphics as well in the game. Yeah, the style is incredibly strong. Like with the your main go-to gun, it's just super interesting to look at. And it looks like this weird rail gun that has that rail gun ability where you charge yeah. it up. Um, just the the unique you know weapons are super interesting. The environments are super interesting. I really dug with the use of color. So with Killzone 3, it was more of a response to not using color. So there's just color everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like yeah. washed out. And while I, I did like it because it was a change, it was almost too much. And with the with uh, yeah. Killzone Shadowfall, they've really focused the color and only used it when it's needed. But it's it's everywhere, but it's more subtle and it just makes more sense. And I really loved how they balanced that, you know, that the, the visual ability that they can handle now with this new Desma engine. And I, mm -hmm. I loved how they just created all these environments. They all separate from each other. There's a good uh, mix of them as well. It's not like you're stuck to one area, which has happened in pre previous Killzone mm -hmm. games. They really switch it up yeah. with, you mentioned that space station that's that's basically falling into that star. You make it fall into that star. Mm -hmm. You have you go back to actual Helgen. You get captured in that weird area on the Helgen mm -hmm. side or New Helgen where you're behind enemy lines. Um, yeah, all the, the environments are really dope and just visually interesting. Um, so I'm going through some of the bullet points here, gun, gunplay or gameplay rather. Um, did you, how'd you feel breaking down that, them adding this addition, to this, uh, little drone that you're using that was it, um, cumbersome? Do you think it was intuitive? How'd you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I think especially considering some of this is again, goes into how I think it's very varied and why it, I found it so fun because you always feel like you're doing something different and that's you know the first sort of one of the first missions when you have to go to that is the big bridge and it's all outside and really colorful and there's sort of like a whole helgen sort of set up there and and it's quite an open sort of level and you just get given this drone who can hack into things he can sort of do these different things and he can distract enemies and then you're just there and you have to try and do all these objectives in this one space whilst these enemies are trying to find you and i think that then you also have the more linear parts later on and you have the parts where you're trying to sneak past and you have your uh, friend who's sniping for you and um so i think the moment to moment gameplay is very varied and i think the drone uh or in some cases the other things that take over the drone when you don't have him um are really well thought out sort of um features that really help in the combat um and uh and obviously it helps even more so when you get further through the game and you start fighting the shielded enemies and and everything like that but yeah i mean i think we've talked before about games that put something into the game um and then you just don't even bother using it and i didn't find that in shadowfall i found the drone was vital i mean whether he's stopping an alarm or if i'm uh pinned down so i need him just to go off and draw someone's attention or all these different things it, it just seemed very well thought out and i think that's something I agree that the story is not very good, and but I think you can tell that the game's at least well thought out and uh, has some real good attention in, in some really good places. And I think for me that helped sort of elevate it um, to make it a great game. Yeah, I would have enjoyed them uh, using that kind of wide corridor 
design a bit more. So you have that first yeah. uh, forest kind of level where you're on Vecta and you have the choice to kind of tackle stuff or tackle the, the, um, the things he wants you to do in, in whatever manner you want to. And it's a bit more wide. I really dug that. I would have liked that uh, more. There are times where you're back to that kind of hallway style of gameplay where it's very more, it's very uh, claustrophobic. It's, it's, it's close quarters. Yeah. And I just would have liked them to carry that through a bit more. Cause I did enjoy that. Uh, there were times where I was yeah. getting lost a good amount so even though you have your little reticle thing showing you where to go which has followed from previous Killzone mm -hmm. games i did find myself getting lost did you experience that at all yeah i did actually and, and yeah and funnily enough it's something that's happened to me in every single one of the Killzone games um i think it happened worst in maybe Killzone 2 i want to say and i was honestly walking around this one area for is when you're in like some underground refinery or something and i was honestly walking around this area for about an hour just not having no idea where to go and yeah i had a few moments like that in shadowfall as well and um yeah i think it, it definitely could do better at telling you what you're meant to be doing because you know it tries to letter them and letter the different objectives and yeah it just does i think it works well at the beginning like you're saying in that open-ended bit but when you get to the more linear parts it seems better suited to a more a less linear kind of way of telling you what to do so when it is linear it's kind of confusing i think yeah i experienced that uh quite a bit and it was a uh, it was very frustrating and i couldn't tell am i just dumb or am i not seeing what they want me to <laughs> you know to see um i yeah. did enjoy using the <clears throat> the echolocation on your i want to say it's mm. on your drone or it's, it's one of your drone features but that was yeah. really dope and the, i love the the balance of you can push it too far and then that alerts all the enemies to you yeah, or you can yeah. push it just enough to where you can see, you know, the basically how much you want to use it shows you that area. I really dug that, that ability. And then it shows you where the enemies are and they're always moving and it doesn't last forever too. So it's kind of this balance that they've, that they've struck with that. I really dug that, that, um, echolocation thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think, um, just the, the combat moments and that that's a big example of that is using that echo location in those moments i think that's just so well padded with things to do and and i think the actual combat scenarios you get yourself in are you can tell that they're very meticulous and they're there's a there's a way to sort of go about um and i and i think that, that that's why i enjoyed it so much i played it on hard which i thought was going to be really really difficult but it seems to be quite fair i don't know if you found that as well but it seems to be that every single combat situation you found just find yourself in there's lots of different ways to go about doing it they give you lots of different weapons and uh you know lots of cover and you've got your drone and there's just so many ways uh, to get to go around it and um, i really like the adrenaline thing as well how you can find adrenaline and you can either save it just in case you go down or you can inject it and then have the slow-mo and it gives you a, a, a boost of health and there was just so many different ways to overcome an encounter and whilst that i think makes the game a little bit easy maybe it makes you feel really like empowered and uh like you know you you understand the game and, and you're and, and you're good at it just because it has uh, a simple arsenal of features that you're constantly using just because they feel sort of so right to use i did uh, also enjoy the adrenaline abilities where you can slow down time mm. and really <clears throat> take a second and, and pinpoint enemies and kind of take a breather almost. And it's very, you know, action heavy where you slow down everything and, mm -hmm. and you just feel like a badass. But I really did not like, and I, I think games need to just stop doing this from now on. I didn't like having to stop to pick up health or pick up adrenaline. It was mm -hmm. just very annoying, yeah. especially with since circle yeah. is also kneel or crouch. 
it was just super annoying. Yeah. And if, if, if the health is littered around where there's enemies, it's like, it's, it's just, it really throws a wrench into everything. And it was, it was a struggle, but from now on, just, yeah. just let me automatically pick up, you know, health as I run over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, understand what the issue yeah. is there. There's, um, I think Wolfenstein, the, the new order, which obviously I think is undoubtedly the best shooter of last gen that that was one of that massive you know downfalls was well not a downfall but big negative was how even ammo like you had to pick it up manually so you're always running around tapping yep. a button to pick things up and um yeah it's strange it, I don't, it is annoying and I, and yeah the fact that it's circle as well like the same button as crouch you know you'd be just crouching like over these items instead of picking them up it's a bit of an odd choice but um but yeah no i i, I do agree with that now I noticed. Uh, I don't know if you experienced this as well or felt the same way, but with the Helgens, I felt like their AI was a bit off compared to previous games, where they didn't sprawl and kind of run away or ambush you the same way they've done in the previous mm. games. I was a bit let down with yeah. their their AI in general. Um, the sound yeah. across the board is really dope, but I didn't get those same. You know, um, just I didn't hear their voices the same way. They didn't sound mm. as as interesting to me. But how did you feel about the yeah. enemy AI overall? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's um, they don't. They're not very aggressive. They they sort of don't really push you as much. I I found, and there, there's definitely some hard parts, especially towards the end. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they were they were anything special. The AI and and like you said, the, the hell the hell guards definitely don't have the same kind of presence um, as they did in the other games. I think that's just because it just looks so much cleaner now, so it's just less gritty and uh, like like those ps3 games sort of famously were so yeah i think i agree they definitely have less of a presence and um and, but, but i think maybe that's what they were sort of going for was to try and humanize them a bit more and um and and you know i think for me the presence came from like the part when you're walking through the helgen sort of apartments and uh, you know you've got the guy who's about to kill himself and you can sort of intervene with it and I think that yeah, I was the that sort up. of. Were you able to help him? Because you... I tried to, I <laughs> yeah. tried to like nudge him to like get the gun out mm -hmm. of his hand, and I just killed him. How did you stop him from killing himself? <laughs> uh, so if you if you go over, it will say you like press circle to intervene. So if you press, and there's uh... quite a few of those as you as you're going up those flats. There's a lot if you just sort of hang around. Um, you, there's lots of different situations where you can go over and help somebody. There's a guy you can give adrenaline to, and. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't think the Hel the Hellgast as enemies had as much of a presence. They did feel just like enemies, you know, like Nazis feel in Wolfenstein or whatever. Um, but but I think that they managed to still express this kind of presence that they bring, but, but through other other ways. And um, and I think that there's especially when you're on the Helgen side, I, I felt really stressed when i was on that side especially when you've only got like a handgun and the part at the end when you've got the spider mechs and you've got to try and get rid of them and um there, there's definitely a presence there but i think it's more of like a cumulative feeling than one sort of voice acting and and uh and like it was in the in the other games i think yeah, and I did. Uh, I really liked their new design. I thought it was pretty cool. They look a bit more robotic, but they just have advanced, you know, mm -hmm. technology. I guess is what thirty years after the last games, so they look a bit different. Uh, I did enjoy the, the you know, different uh, characters that they would present. You have the the shielded characters that that the ones that actually hold a physical shield, but although mm -hmm. you can nudge them and just break their shield somehow. But yeah. also, there's the um, ones with like a power armor, which make you switch up your gameplay, where you have to either 
you know, attack them with your drone to shock their 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 shield to get yeah. it to you to disappear, or you have to charge up your your weapon to get it to disappear. I loved throwing them into the mix and having to deal with them in combat. Mm-hmm. And and I've got to say, I think the the more special units, so like the shielded guys and and the like both kinds of shielded guys, both the energy shield and the physical shield, um, they definitely felt smarter than the normal um hellgast their, their ai definitely felt more aggressive and there are lots of times where i'd think i was safe and i was sort of reloading or whatever and then i'd look around and there's like two shield guys like right next to me um yeah. so i think that whilst the ai maybe isn't mind-blowing i think for some of the harder characters it, it's uh at least you know difficult to handle and, and it forces you to um not just hide behind cover and maybe use your drone to distract so you can get a better shot or or something like that so um uh so yeah i just want to say about the the shielded guys they were definitely a pain in the ass at times yeah they were a pain in the ass but uh, i did i could tell what they're trying to do with making me switch up my gameplay and i i think i overall like that but it was stressful we know when they throw two or three yeah. at you and you have to deal with yeah. it i did find myself missing the all-out war you know battle size of the previous games where it was just you know mm-hmm. tons of enemies and you're having to basically have a you know war in the streets i didn't i missed that in this one where it's a bit more you know just small scale and personal yeah. uh, i understand what they're trying to do but i found myself missing that component of Killzone because it was kind of a big deal in two and three yeah i think i'd imagine that's probably why they didn't call it Killzone four because it definitely has a completely different feel uh to it um i think it feels more um I, I maybe not sophisticated but it's you know it's not um like you said just constant action and war and it's it's got a bit more espionage and a bit more tries to talk about plots and bat and traitors and, and all of this stuff um so yeah so i think it definitely does have a different feel and, and you're playing as a shadow marshal obviously which is the same as luger from uh the first kill zone um which comes with its own nuances and changes you know like you said you're doing smaller like special forces missions so um it is very different in that sense but but i think i probably i I, I think i prefer that kind of thing just because i prefer playing maybe some games that have moments of slow pace just so i can sort of take in what's going on And, and i love the audio files as well i think that they were really good and they were like they sounded really like realistic and um and sort of i think told quite cool little stories as well which i thought was like a i know it was just a way to show off the ps4 speaker at the time but i think it's a really memorable audio log sort of kind of system in that game um so yeah i, I appreciated that as well i didn't listen to any of those um i found myself uh, <laughs> not liking and it was because I I didn't I just didn't care for the story this time around. I don't know what it mm. it was just a culmination of everything where I did not care about these characters. Uh, yeah. So the audio logs I just couldn't be bothered to listen to those as well. Um, I did yeah. when I stepped back though I appreciated what they're trying to do. There's uh, other outlets have talked about it before, but like they allude to this Cold War situation where you have these these two parties you know living next to each other and they're separated by a wall and they have to kind of figure it out. They have this peace that's inevitably gonna, that's going to fall apart. So you have to deal with that. You have to go across enemy lines a couple times and deal with this, you know, this structure falling apart. I liked the idea of that. I liked having Helgen on Vecta, you know, living together for a while. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but for me, that story just didn't hit. Uh, let's break down, you know, what were your thoughts with the story, how they how they developed it, and then eventually, you know, how they ended the story. 
Um, yeah, I think, like you said, it, it's when you look at the main sort of story beats, it's not really anything special. I think the characters are mostly forgettable and, and it's quite confusing as well. I, I found similar to the other kill zones just because they, they, they sort of try and have loads of like plot twists and shocks that normally just fall flat. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, I didn't find it anything special. I just think. I just liked the game. I just liked playing it and I liked the places it put me in. Um, and I think there was definitely a element of the setting of, of be, you know, being familiar with the setting at least that definitely helped that. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed the moment to moment gameplay. I enjoyed what I was doing and, and the way the game wanted me to do things. But yeah, the story I think did whilst it sometimes set up some cool parts or or whatever i think yeah mostly it was just mediocre but i don't think it was any worse than two or three i think it's probably not again i think the first kill probably does have the best story but um i think shadowfall story is definitely an improvement over the second and third uh, personally but it's still nothing special yeah what about so that eventual end um, I dug the everything leading up to it. You know, you have your your boss battle with uh, I forget the name of the guy. You stab him in the foot. He seems to always get away. But you have your boss battle mm. with him, which uh, I didn't mind. It was using the same kind of um, tactics that you have with those shielded, those power shielded enemies. Uh, that was pretty neat. And then you you are flying into uh, Stahl's base with everything falling apart. So he shoots off that bioweapon. Uh, I I thought it once again they seem to just kind of end the story by pulling the plug once uh, your yeah. main father figure character spoilers you know, for a 10 year old game or a seven year old mm -hmm. game shoots you in the head. Um, I just thought it was very strange how they just end it. And then you do have that little, you know, side bit at the end where you take over echo and you assassinate that, that character, which was cool. But also, I don't know if anything changes because of that. It seems like this war is just, mm -hmm. you know, it continues on and some guy takes his place much like Saul was saying, like yeah. kill me, but this thing keeps going. But how'd you feel about how they ended it? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, you know, with with what you say, and I think it is this poor ending. But I, again, I think that's because the story doesn't have a lot of substance. It just relies on its setting, which is done well. The setting is done really well, and and the settings used really well in the in the gameplay and, and the levels as well. But yeah, like you said, the actual story that's happening, sort of front and center, is not good, and it doesn't end well. And I think my main I, I don't like the main character. I think he's really boring and just pointless. Like he's not, it's, he's not a fresh perspective, uh, except from the fact he's a shadow marshal, but they don't even go into that much. Um, I think Echo's a far more interesting character. I think I'd rather, I'd rather have played as Echo throughout the whole thing. I think that would have been much better, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I do like the part where you play as Echo at the end. I think mostly just because I, I would have preferred to have played play as her from the start, just because, mm her perspective alone is interesting enough to at least make the story somewhat engaging. Um, but because we're put in the shoes of this generic default, you know, character, it makes the story generic and default, um, which is a shame because again, the setting was screaming for a, a great story. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement there. Yeah. Uh, Echo was interesting. Um, Although I did find myself, because that's one of the issues they have in the game, is this idea of humans and Vectins, or there being this, this uh, you know, mix of them, where it seems like Echo is half Vectin. That's also why yeah. she doesn't have, she can breathe, you know, normally. She doesn't have the gas mask on. But I don't understand the logic behind that. So 
that means that Vectans and Helgens are hooking up to create, you know, a lineage of people that are half and half, or are they creating a, in a lab? They don't really go into detail on that. No, I think I think it's just a result of um, the two coexisting. So yeah, because you've got Vectans that live in New Helgen, like you saw when you're uh, disguised as a refugee, and you see all the the traitors that that have now have to live in New Helgen and all of that. Because that's the thing that, that that one thing I quite liked was they were showing that the ISA or the VSA, I think they are now, um, they're not the good guys. They you know would send people over to New Helgen. So even though they're against their brutality they'd still be sending their own people over and you get to see that and yeah i think sort of the the sort of mixed babies and and people sort of have uh coming from that i think is a result of that and yeah and i think echo just you know being the daughter of the vasari and also of a vectin i think would be a great uh character to play as and it's an interesting perspective and she's an interesting character and she's still is into espionage they didn't have to change gameplay or anything i just think we were subject to a very ordinary story um but yeah it's just uh it's what it is now but who's really hooking up with helgens they have to have their mask on the whole time it just seems very strange to yeah. me it's like they're scary looking people because they, they have were, their contractions well, it, it was the lady uh lady vasari who gave birth to her and she's she's all right i mean why not she was that's true <laughs> yeah, but that means that she also didn't have a mask on. So was she already half? Like uh, maybe just for story wise, they want to have her complete, you know, um, motion capture going on. So you see your facial features and all that stuff. I get it, but she doesn't has a, have a mask on. So can she breathe yeah. normally? I just found myself well, often think, pulling myself out of the story. Well, I, th I think I think some people can because you've got the other Vasari from Killzone Two. He didn't wear a mask, and I think she's mm. a descendant of him. So maybe there's something in their family. Uh, that means they can't wear a mask or something. Um, but I think because she's a descendant of Asari who didn't wear a mask at Killzone 2, um, I think okay. that might be, could be, could be, and Style as well doesn't wear a mask. So I think just maybe some of them, you know, are more acclimatized to it or, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I mean, Queen Vis she's all right. Sorry, she's a powerful woman. True. You know, True. One, one to one to tell your friends about. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just found myself like, wait, what is it? How is this working here yeah. and not there? And, and why are the yeah. Helgens able to just basically kill people because they're on this side of the wall, but they just started this this mm. resolution and they're able to just kind of kill innocent people and not let them just leave this area. I found that very strange. Um, so yeah. I just kept, you know, having myself pulled out of the story. But um, yeah. I do, you know, overall, I appreciate what they're trying to do. That's the thing. It's like I, I dug getting this insight and this new, you know, ripple to the story where you have them living together and having to deal with it, um, it just, at the end of the day, wasn't its strongest point for me. It was really just the combat and them switching up the combat with the ability to tackle um, areas in the, in the way you want to somewhat and the cool set pieces and the gunplay was so strong. I, I ended up not liking those stealth missions very much. Um, and there is also a lot of trial and error with, say, when you're when you're falling, uh, through uh, mm. new, not new Helgen, but Helgen, but also when you're falling through this, that mechanism later in the game, yeah. that's like these rings. I just died over and over again. So it was a bit I hated those there. bits. Yeah. yeah. Also the yeah. spiders that just spawn out of those boxes. It took me a while to figure out how to just <laughs> eliminate them. Oh man, they're super yeah. annoying. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I got really annoyed at those. So every time I'd see one, 
I'd just not go near it and just try and like be as far away as I could to let my robot hack it so yeah. they didn't see me. <laughs> now, as we complete this the series of games, there is Killzone Mercenaries, but I'm not sure if that takes place in between or if that is a sequel story-wise to this game. But uh, how do you feel they could take this this you know series now? Like, What would be the future of the series, assuming they actually want to keep it alive? Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I think... I think Killzone 1 is just dying for a reboot. I think the story there's so good. The characters are great um, with a bit of fleshing out and everything. I mean, like a proper reboot as well. Um, I think that would that's ripe for the for the, the taking. I think the story's the the best sort of story out of them all by, you know, quite a long way. Um, and I think that because it's an old game, it's it, you know a lot happens in the first Killzone. It's by far the longest of the of the four. Um, so I think you could have a really robust game from there. And um, yeah, I, I don't. I think they kind of ran this story into the ground. I don't think they can really go anywhere else with it. So um, I think rebooting the first one and then just going from there, I think, is the best way because you know having the Hell Hellgast uh, invade Vector and and everything. It's such a great starting point, and they could take it in a completely different direction if they wanted to i would love to see this series tackled again after gorilla has experience with horizon and mm. just with all the different features that they they focus on with horizon but also movement in horizon i really enjoyed yeah uh platforming you know was a bit weird and wonky but they it's improved over over Killzone. you can mm. see the you know the little bit sparkles of that with you being able to vault and then your zip line I would love to see them integrate that stuff with Killzone, really focus on movement, improve it there, add some of the, you know, crazy machinery going on with uh with uh with Horizon and that I think that works well with the Helgen technology too. Like I'd love to see mm -hmm. them tackle this after their experience of Horizon and kind of merge some of those gameplay components together. Yeah, that yeah, I mean I'd love to see see it come back. And I think they've learned a lot, especially in terms of story. I think the story of Horizon's really great and um I think that, you know, if they were to go back to Killzone then that's somewhere that would probably be improved. Um but yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get to see something. But yeah, I don't think they can really do anything with this where they've taken the story to now. I just think it's just not been handled well enough. Um so I think going back to the beginning and you know starting again but with the same um you know things that we know same characters like templar and and rico and all that but yeah just just do it again yeah i agree they've kind of tried everything with the story you have uh, uh the the vectins invading helgen and then the helgens invading vecta and then them living together mm. and all these different like ways a story could go which would switch it up in every game they've really done it all so yeah i would agree with some kind of reboot and in, in introducing some new story components and kind of, you know, just taking it a different way. But this series yeah. is, should be kept alive. Like it's super strong. I've had issues with it for sure, but I think the overall, like it's a strong shooter and it's amazing to me that they've left it by the wayside for this long mm -hmm. because, you know, we talked about before, but PlayStation doesn't have really any exclusive shooters and it's an area that they've just let go away and focus on this yeah. uh, third person action uh, genre but i think this is this is just so strong to keep alive and has more of a chance of staying alive than resistance even though we talk about resistance all the time this one for sure is the would be the go-to to you know introduce uh for ps5 yeah i mean it's uh i think as well when i say i think it should be rebooted i think 
because I mean, some people might say, well, they should make a, a fresh thing or, or something new. But I think the Helgen and the ISA sort of dynamic, and there's loads of lore to it as well. It's probably sort of books and things. Um, but I think that's such a good setting that it it deserves, you know, better stories and better games that have better stories. Um, so I don't, I just don't, I think that we we want more Killzone, but we maybe don't want the direction it's been going in for the past few years. Um, maybe just, uh, so maybe starting at the beginning and allowing people to sort of re-fall in love with that world and that setting could, could be a, the best way to do it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we definitely need something. And I think using an established franchise like Killzone or Resistance to re-enter that space would be the best thing because they don't need marketing. They don't need advertising. They right. are in their own right, you know, massive things. So... I think it's a no-brainer to not just have one of them, but both of them. I think both of them should come back. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll end our Killzone talk for the week and put uh, a button on the Killzone series for now. We'll see what happens in the future. But uh, that Mm. is it for our PlayStation Book Club for the week. Now, Callum, we got some news that we can jump into. We got uh, a good amount of stuff happening. So this first one here is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart release date set for June. Uh, this is very exciting to finally get some actual confirmation on this date because I know we're highly anticipating this game. So we got the date here incoming. Awesome Wood from Games Radar has the article. The Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart release date is set for June 11, 2021. Creative director Marcus Smith wrote on the PlayStation blog, if you've never played a Ratchet & Clank game before, this is an excellent one to start with as the adventure is a standalone storyline, but longtime fans of the series will find deeper layers of connection to previous games. Uh, how are you feeling about this June 11th release date, Cal? Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, I was very surprised to find out it's not a sequel to the reboot, um, mm. but actually a sequel to the one, you know, the latest one that came out before the reboot. So I might have to play some Ratchet and Clank, which are all on PlayStation now as well. I I would oh. I will add. Um, so that's a, a good thing to remember. Um, but yeah, really really excited. It looks just incredible and. You know, it's a PS5 exclusive, so we know we're going to get some some extra juice from it. So, yeah, can't wait for it. It's, it's definitely one of my most anticipated games of the year. Yeah, same here. I would have liked it closer to launch. I think that was the initial plan. But this is now, you know, June, I think, is out of that launch window. I would say mm-hmm. the first two yeah. months, you know, is and that's pushing it is yeah. like launch window, maybe three months. But, yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited that it's, that it's coming. June is not that far away. Um, do you think... Do you have any thoughts on where this puts the other exclusives that should be for 2021, say like Horizon or Gran Turismo? And then, of course, there's God of War, which we don't know what the hell's going on there. But do you, where do you think they move around the other exclusives this year based on, on Ratchet? Well, I think we expected this one to be the closest. So I think art past June now for all of those. Um, I think Gran Turismo's normally a december release i want to say that's normally Mm. when those games come out um but i mean yeah i mean you could see horizon being sort of uh you know july september maybe hopefully um and you know they still said god of war this year so maybe a november or later in the year kind of thing but because i mean i know that we all none of us think it is coming this year but we still got to treat it like it is because you know we don't they they said it is so we just got that to go. Do by. we? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I am yeah super yes. stoked for for Ratchet. Can't get here fast enough. Yeah. yeah. Now we got uh, some news on a 
on another title that I guess was uh, I had forgotten about, but it's uh, coming back to life. This is controversially canceled shooter. Six Days in Fallujah returns this year. This is Liam Croft at PushSquare.com. Six Days, Six Days in Fallujah, the formerly canceled tactical shooter that was subject of controversy all the way back in 2009, has been resurrected by Highwire Games for a release at the end of the year. Development is headed by the veteran industry members that include the lead designer of Destiny and Halo Combat Evolved, Jamie Grissomir, and as well as composer Marty O'Donnell, aiming to recreate the true stories of Marine soldiers and Iraqi civilians who fought Al-Qaeda during the toughest urban battle since 1968. You will take control of a squad faced with real-life combat encounters, encounters, which have been put together following more than 100 interviews with those who were present during the second battle of Fallujah. Uh, Callum, are you familiar with this with this game, with the controversy? I was not, but uh, apparently it's it's back to life, and maybe they've waited it long enough that it's not so close to that 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 event that it's that it's uh, uh, portraying. But uh, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it at all, um, but I actually watched a trailer for it, and uh, I think it looks really cool. Um, I like the interviews and how they're, they're. I mean, I know that there's lots of controversy over it about how you know it's it was a horrible war crime for it to have happened and all all of this stuff like that and obviously the stories of how the iraqis were treated and 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 everything but they're also trying to make a very um innovative game so i'm interested from that perspective and um you know interested to see how these real life encounters are going to be played and because i mean i'm a big fan of armor the armor games and uh they, they were always good fun and i know we used to have operation flashpoint which kind of tried mm. to sort of go down that route so um yeah it'll be it'll be really really interesting um I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens from it and you know to see what it's all about but um yeah i think i think uh you know the controversy is obviously it was cancelled and everything but people should be allowed to make whatever they want with whatever source material they want so um yeah i'm all, all for it yeah and i'm willing to hold you know thoughts on it and to see what they actually produce and maybe they drop the ball and and don't you know know how to handle such a sensitive event real life event but i'm willing to wait to see you know what they actually produce to you know yeah. to judge them on it and um yeah maybe it was a bit too weird to be that close to the event that they're portraying but you have what 10 years now after the fact you can at least from when the game was canceled but um yeah no i'm willing to to see what they put out yeah yeah i, I think you know th- I, I get that um, it is a you know a very sensitive subject, but you know you got games like Call of Duty that let you you know blow apart loads of people in the airport. I know that's a, fi- a fictional event and this is a real event, but um, you know it's it's just a way to it's just as in in a way it's it's what inspired the game that that's the game's inspiration and and you know that they're, they're again they're they're trying to make a game that's you know doing something a game's never done before the the source material's there to lend and and uh, you know some some sort of authenticity to it so you know I, I don't think that they should be uh you know too you know scared to work with this subject material because it is it's out there it's you know fairly common knowledge now and um we we've got it's not history until we can sort of observe it and see all the different sides to it so um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what comes from it. Yeah, I am a little bit leery. Anytime they have such a close involvement with the military, it's usually very pro-military. <clears throat> so I'm hoping that they are able to 
um, reach into some of the the grayness and the you know the horrible situations yeah. on both sides that are going on. So I'm a little worried that maybe it's just going to be this you know pro American kind of thing. So as long as they yeah. balance that out well, then I think they can they can nail it. But yeah, yeah we'll see what they actually produce. If it's a, if it's a pro America thing, it would just be a, a Call of Duty game with some interesting uh, <laughs> shooting mechanics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got loads of that. Alrighty, Callum, so let's reset this story here. So we got The Last of Us, HBO series cast Pedro Pascal as Joel, Game of Thrones breakout, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, and Joe Otterson from Variety.com has the article. The upcoming Last of Us series adaptation at HBO has cast Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey in the role of Ellie. Variety has confirmed. Pascal has seen great success as a star of Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. Ramsey is best known for her role as Liana Mormont in fellow HBO series Game of Thrones. The Last of Us series was first announced as being in development at the Premium Cabler back in March, with the show landing a formal series order in November. How do you feel about the casting choices for Joel and Ellie? Yeah, I, I really like them. Um, I don't know Bella Ramsey as much. Obviously, I've seen her in Game of Thrones, and uh, she was a very feisty, uh, you know, young girl. So that that's probably gonna gonna work out well. It'll be interesting to see how she does with the the accent and everything. But um, Pedro Pascal is, you know, he's an amazing actor. He, he was great in Game of Thrones as well, and brilliant in Narcos uh, too. Um, and I mean, Mandalorian obviously is great in, but he has a mask on the whole time, so it's a little bit different. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's an amazing actor, and I think he'll do the role, you know, justice as well. So yeah, I think it's great casting, and I like it when characters are cast by people who don't necessarily look like them, because then you know you're getting something fresh, and you're getting another sort of perspective on these characters, which I always like. I, th- I always find it weird when actors are cast to try and look exactly the same, because then it's kind of like you get that uncanny valley kind of weird thing so yeah i'm really excited about it um i mean i know that it's not necessarily going to be as good as the game but i know that i'm sure it'll be at least good and it's a way for other people to experience it that don't play games so um yeah really really excited for it yeah i know uh, neil Druckmann is is involved so he has a uh you know a really close relationship with uh, developing the show so i think that will give me hopes that they will you know be at that same level of quality so who knows if it will match the you know tugging on your heartstrings like the first one did um but i'm i'm a fan of this uh, choice of casting i think uh, uh, you're right where they don't have to it's weird for them to just cast based on who looks like the character like this it's acting yeah. so they should go off who yeah. can give you know the best performance and not yeah. if they look one for one like the character um it's so strange to me if that's the only you know requirement to to portray these people so yeah, yeah. i dug it and um they're not super far off from how they look anyways but um, i'm more excited for to see the acting chops you know and to see these characters mm-hmm. performed by other people i think it's it's pretty wild and you know with the series that everyone loves so much I, i'm i'm really excited to see what they do with it um it is interesting to try and imagine so with uh, bella's character playing uh, ellie I wonder if, because she's already pretty young, so do they have, are they thinking in the future where they're going to let these characters age a bit, you know, with her, eventually they're going to have to tackle Last of Us 2, right? So they're going to, they're going to have at least, you know, another 10 years to wait for her to kind of get to that age of Ellie in The Last Mm -hmm. of Us 2. So I wonder if this is, they're really going to, they're in for the long haul waiting for this, this thing to to grow and to tackle that, that storyline later on. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think she's, um, I think. Bella Ramsey is is older than maybe we think she is just because when I think about her she's in Game of Thrones really young but I think she's like 17 or 18 Mm. uh, now so she's already sort of well an adult basically but she'll so I think it's more she'll need to try and play younger in in the series than what she actually is 
um and then hopefully that will balance out for if they if they cover the second one or maybe they'll they'll you know fill in the gaps along the way to the second one um you know giving us more than you know two or three series to sort of space that out but um but yeah i think i think she is because yeah i was the same you know i kept thinking of her as like this little 12 year old girl but i, I think she is like an adult now um right. so uh hopefully that will sort of work out well yeah and it's interesting you mentioned uh having worries about you know she has to portray an american accent but it's it's very strange where um british actors or actors from the uk have the they sound more american than americans in any type of media so it's and like, we're cheaper as well that's why that's why there's so many it's why there's so many <laughs> british actors um with uh, you know american speaking roles because uh you americans are very expensive ah. <laughs> yeah it's funny like well, there's so many shows me and my wife or movies will watch and uh it's like a look over it's like oh is this person british too it's like goddamn they're taking all our jobs like it's just any american now on tv is gonna be played by someone who's british which is they do a better job so it's like you can't deny that they're they're just better for it yeah but i I don't know if you've seen uh narcos with uh, pedro pascal in that as well but he is i think that's probably the best thing to to watch to sort of kind of maybe expect the kind of thing we're going to get because he's a very troubled character in in narcos and right very morally gray in areas and uh you know he's got a more of an american accent, even though he speaks sort of you know spanish in it as well but he's got a very american accent and um yeah i think i think it's really good casting and it made me a lot more excited for it that's you know they're both actors with some pedigree they both um you know come from similar productions and things so um and you know hbo they're they're a good uh studio and they they normally uh you know fund pretty decent stuff so yeah i've got really really high hopes for it and i'm really excited to see you know it from the perspective of a television series yeah and really just going off the casting choices hbo is throwing a ton of money at this so the production level is going to be insane so that also gets me you know super excited for what they can what they can portray with this world around them, with the destruction, with the 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 clickers too. That's one thing we haven't even, you know, I, I imagine they're, yeah. they, they're working on that behind the scenes, but like how detailed are these clickers going to be and how detailed are they going to be able to create this this world that has been destroyed? I mean, it's going to be insane. So I just cannot freaking wait for this. So that, that shows how good the story of The Last of Us is because I hadn't even thought about the clickers yet. Right. <laughs> I, I hadn't even considered them. I was, I was just thinking about Joel and Ellie. Um, <laughs> so I think that's testament to uh, what, 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 what people take out of those games. Yeah, I'm super stoked and just a great casting choice. And yeah, I think we're mm. still a long ways off if they're just barely kind of getting the cast together. I think we're good. We're going to wait another year and a half, two years. And then you throw Corona in the mix where it's just going to extend the development of this further so i think we're we're gonna wait a while so we'll see how it unfolds yeah. all righty callum we got our next one here law firm files ps5 dualsense drift class action against sony this is wesley in pull of yourgamer.net a u.s law firm has filed a class action lawsuit against sony over alleged ps5 dualsense drift the complaint filed on february 12th and seen by your gamer claims the dualsense is defective Specifically, the DualSense controllers that are used to operate the PS5 contain a defect that results in characters or gameplay moving on the screen without user command or manual operation of the joystick. This defect, this defect significantly interferes with gameplay and thus compromises the DualSense's controller core functionality. The complaint cites multiple online reports of DualSense drift on Reddit and social media. Uh, Calm, have you experienced drift yet? I know these consoles are super new. These controllers are super new. Have you experienced any wonkiness yet? Not that I know of. No, I mean, there's some games I think that 
just have I, I mean i've been playing a lot of playstation now which has a lot of drift on it just because it's streaming so uh but when i'm playing local games on my playstation i haven't had any any problems um at all so hopefully i don't encounter that but um i will say i don't i the dual sense isn't my favorite controller um i much prefer the dual shock 4 i think it feels um a lot sleeker and better in your hands um I mean, obviously, the haptic feedback is amazing, and the controller itself is a lot more of a technical achievement. But um, yeah, I've got to say, the DualShock Four still, because I still use that with my PC and everything, it still feels uh, much better. I think, but uh, yeah, hopefully, this drift doesn't become a, a thing because otherwise, I'll definitely be going back to DualShock Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does have me worried. I think so. The biggest, uh, you know, drift stuff in the news has been with the Nintendo Switch, but I would argue those are it's a lot of kids handling it and throwing it in backpacks mm. and stuff and that could also cause the drift issue by just messing with those with those joysticks it's portable but with the dual sense you're not really taking it anywhere you're just leaving it on your coffee table on your counter so i don't know if it's going to have that same amount of um you know just wear and tear but it does have me worried that you know this thing will experience it on its own i hope not because these, these controllers are you know not not cheap at all like they've bumped up in mm. price so i'm hoping that it's just an isolated issue and not across the board, but it's also very early to tell because I mean, we've had these things for what, three months now. So it's really tough to see the legs on this thing. I know there's some uh, worries about, will the uh, triggers, you know, wear out those components be something that actually uh, reduces the lifespan of this controller, but uh, I'm not sure, but I am, I'm worried, but I'm hoping that it's just, you know, isolated kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the haptic stuff is all fine. Cause I mean, everything most things vibrate now and that's all it is it's just extra motors and things so i doubt that there'll be any real issues there um the fact that the controllers can update um is maybe a way to to uh go around any sort of possible because i mean again if it's if it's like a motor problem i'm sure that can be updated on software and mm. things like that but yeah I, I mean it's strange that drift would be a thing i mean like you said it's normally caused from an analog being like pushed down in a certain position so right. unless people are leaving them like upside down because they're quite heavy the controllers so unless people are leaving them upside down or something or um i don't know but yeah hopefully i don't run into anything like that yeah same here we'll see how it goes i definitely don't want to have to buy another controller yeah. anytime soon <laughs> all right calm i don't know if you caught this but i do have the video link here uh this new unreal engine tech is mind-blowing this is sammy barker of pushsquare.com Epic Games has announced Metal Human, no Meta Human Creator, a new cloud-based extension of the Unreal Engine, which will allow developers to design high-fidelity models faster than ever before. The technology has been designed for both animated movies and video games, and you can get a little glimpse of the potential in the video below. So this came across my Twitter feed recently, and it's pretty insane. It apparently allows, so it's working through Unreal Engine, and allows for just a, a very fast way of creating high-fidelity facial animations and, and capture and it's pretty nuts. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I bet there's a lot of 3D artists very worried for their jobs uh, now because <laughs> it's uh, is very, very impressive. Um, I, de I definitely want to try it out. Being someone who can't draw or model saved my life. Um, it, yeah, it looks, it, it's, it's one of those groundbreaking sort of things that, you know, that only come around once, once in a while in sort of the games industry. And I, yeah, I think it's, it's just incredible and it's definitely, you know, the future and 
this hopefully this will sort of become a outsource thing like unreal engine is as well and we'll just see the quality and game characters and and uh production value like that uh skyrocket because you know creating a character as a 3d artist is very difficult involves lots of hours so you know this could be huge and uh yeah really really exciting stuff yeah it's nuts and it's only gonna it's only a positive thing really for you know, increasing the the speed at which you can animate characters and the ease of it, so you can open this up to indie devs and not just have it be a triple A level of mm. of quality. Um, and you've seen this stuff before with uh, I know with Terrain. There's another uh, software bit out there that lets you really easily customize terrain and rocks and flip them around and and mess with their geometry just super easy. So I feel like this is mm -hmm. that next level, but for human animation, which has been incredibly hard to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm on board and hopefully it, it speeds the development on stuff going forward. Um, and this is, I'm not sure if this is locked to UE5 or UE4, but, um, we haven't really seen much of UE5, which is, you know, still down the pipeline. I don't even know if any games are using that currently, but, um, yeah, I wonder how that's going to affect that or if this is, you know, tied to one thing or the other, but I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting as well. Cause I mean, it looks like just a normal character creator from a game. Sure. Um, but there's so much, like even just from the different hairstyles, they add so much like to to the character, and um, the sculpting looks really, you know, in depth. And and then when it's all rendered and they've got like the videos playing, it just looks completely real with the way the eyes move and everything. So uh, yeah, it's really really exciting. Yeah, it's. I hope we see this stuff, you know, come out soon, um, in the hands of of dev. So it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Gone a long way from the PS1, you know, polygon models yeah. of like Tomb Raider and yeah. stuff. It's just pretty <laughs> insane. All right, Cal, we got some news on Crash Bandicoot 4 for PS5. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time coming to PS5 March 12th. This is from the PlayStation blog. Crash, Coco, and friends are back like never before with new powers, new worlds to explore, larger than life boss battles, and a whole whomping lot more. Welcome to Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Releasing for the PlayStation 5 starting March 12th with PS4 owners getting a free upgrade to the current gen version. So this uh, PS5 upgrade brings uh, dynamic enhanced 3D audio, 4K at 60 frames per second, and adaptive trigger support. Have you jumped into Crash 4 yet? Do you think you will, you're more enticed to try this on PS5 now? Uh, yeah, I think it's... Um... I actually think it's a really, really great thing. I didn't expect it or anything. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely on my radar more so now, but I, I still would want to play the first three first because I'd feel like a fake if I if I just played the fourth one. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it's very enticing. So I might just uh, skip all of them and, and get grab this and give it a go. Yeah, I've been waiting for maybe just a sale or a deal. So I might try and get this on PS4 so I get that free upgrade. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stoked, and these games I know are are pretty hard, but this one seems a bit more, um, you know, approachable uh, with the, the yeah. combat and stuff. So uh, I've been waiting. So this is just uh, this gives me a reason to pick this up. Yeah. Did Did you copy that directly from PlayStation Block? Yeah. So that is their uh, that is their little because that that that's that's one sentence. <laughs> like, there's no. There's that is that is just one sentence. You're right. It's the longest sentence I've ever seen. <laughs> they can't be bothered with you know stopping and starting. It's just no. <laughs> yeah, it's they have time. They have time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I didn't edit that. You know, I did add the PS4 owners getting a free upgrade at the end, but even without that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty long. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I wasn't sure if you're just like taking two sentences and mashing them together. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All right, Cam, we got the next one here. Sony may be working on a back button attachment for PS5's DualSense controller. This is Tom Power of IGN. We'll see if it's one long sentence. Uh, Sony is seemingly looking at <laughs> developing its back button attachment for the PS5's DualSense controller, according to a new patent. A new controller add-on device with customizable presets document was published on the World Intellectual Property Organization on February 4th, and which suggests that Sony wants to develop the accessory to function with PS5's gamepad. Um, how do you feel about this? We we finally got the you know PS4 version of this, uh, what, last year? And at that time, I was thinking, oh, the DualSense is going to have that baked in. This is them just bridging the gap. But it seems like that's not the case, and they've, they'd rather these attachments add that you know, functionality. So how do you feel about this being yeah. on the dual sense? Yeah, I think obviously the, it didn't sell as well as they thought it would. Um, so they didn't think adding it, because I imagine adding it to the dual sense would maybe bump its price up or at it's least possible. make it more expensive to manufacture. So I imagine that bringing out the pale end of the PS4 was just a way to see how interested people were in it. And obviously it might not have been uh, very successful. So they're probably just bringing it out again and hoping to make a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah same uh same thoughts on that uh do, do these entice you at all you know the ability to have these extra buttons on the back uh for whether it's ps4 or for ps5 no not really i mean i think i've got plenty of buttons on the on the controller um yeah. i don't i don't like remapping things normally as well just because i normally end up remapping something after i'm like halfway through the game so it like makes it really difficult to, to swap things around but yeah no it just wouldn't feel natural either i mean you, you play for so long knowing where all the buttons are, even with a PC and, you know, keyboard and mouse, I just adding an extra thing in. Um, yeah, I'm not about it. Yeah. Same where I like the idea of this, but when you actually try and use it, you have to, in your mind, remap, you know, these controls and, yeah. and it just kind of throws a wrench into what you've been learning this entire time. So it's, it's more of a struggle to just learn this new feature. If it was, if this was part of the yeah. dual sense, then I would kind of, really commit this to memory and just get used to this being the standard but it's just in this weird area where it doesn't appeal to me but it is cool i guess if i found this one laying on the floor i'd give it a shot but it's just i'm not going to go out of my way to really try and change yeah. my brain again I, I still feel clumsy pressing the touchpad on the ps1 ps5 controllers when something mm. says to press that i like freak out for a second and <laughs> like press it in a spasm um see i don't want i just don't want buttons to be in different places uh, you know i'm i'm comfortable with where they are it's, it's like you can get those um keypads for pc for people who don't want to use a keyboard right but and then you know i, I use keyboard uh, all the time so if i was to use one of those keypads which is meant to make it simpler i would find that really difficult to use because it's just all about what you're used to and i think adding an actual button is like such a like spanner in the in the works that it would just be too much for me i'm not i don't have that kind of like brain capacity to, uh, to, yeah, to, to accept another button <laughs> yeah you really have to commit to it like that has to be your standard now going yeah. forward so yeah it's, it's yeah. just not for not for me I'm too dumb all right yeah. uh that is it for our news articles this week we can end it there uh where can they find you online um i am on twitter at bear munro Awesome. And you can keep up with the show as well on Twitter at Plastic Heart Pod. That's it for us this week. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. You're too late. See you later. I've already summoned media. Yes! Okay, let's go.